my name is Daniel, and I am one of the, uh, the pastors here. And if, if you guys are new with us today, I want to reiterate what Marty said already. We are so glad that you are here with us today. We are. We are so glad that you are here with us today. We are. And I want to say just your presence alone. You guys have been hearing me say this a lot, but just your presence alone being here, whether you're new or you come every single week, you being here matters. So thank you for being here with us. And our hope for all of the new people, if this is your first time, is that from the street to the seat that you have felt welcomed so far, that you feel loved, and that when you walk out that you will have felt seen. So um, we're, we're uh, glad you guys are here. We're in a message series called No Cap. Predecide, better choices, a better life. And over the last few weeks, we've said that we're making decisions, six predetermined decisions about how we're going to um, be as followers of Christ. I haven't arrived, like I said last week, I still haven't arrived in all six of these areas, but each week I've predecided and I'm predeciding to get better in the future. I've predecided that by the time that we're done with this series, I'll be a healthier, more committed me, and my heart and my hope is, is that you will be a healthier, and more committed you. Now, I know a lot of you guys are not able to make it on Wednesdays because of work commitments, uh, prior commitments, whatever it may be, whatever it may be. but um, I think you'd be so proud of all of your brothers and sisters who have been committing consistently to coming on Wednesday nights as well. I want to give those who have been consistently committed to coming, I want to give you guys a round of applause as well. That's encouragement. That's encouragement. Well done. Well done. And what I love most about it is I love that, I love that you guys are being intentionally devoted okay, to maximizing the seed of the series to watering it and by watering what's been planted on Sundays when you come back on Wednesdays. Again, well done. Um, we're going to start off this week like we did last week. I'm going to read each of the four statements that we've covered so far. And uh, what I want for you to do is at the end of those statements, that if you're being more intentional in these areas, please respond to the statement with no cap, meaning that's the truth, meaning absolutely. Here we go. When the devil attacks, I'm becoming more prepared. I'm more on, on guard. I'm watching more. I'm praying more. I am more ready. Good. Secondly, when it's easy to be inconsistent on one day and off another day, with the help of God and by the grace of God, my consistency has actually gotten better. I am more consistent. Good. Good, good. In a world where people often stray from God and lose their passion, I am intentionally spending more time with him. I'm being more devoted to him. I am actually more devoted. Good, good, good. And last week, we said that in a world that tends to be selfish, how many people were here last week? Everybody, oh, good, 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 good. I'm glad you showed back up this week. Um, in a world that seems to be selfish, we're, we're going to be God-honoring. We're going to choose ahead of time that all that we have, all that we have belongs to God anyways. As we wrestled with the fact that generosity isn't just something that happens overnight, it's a journey. 
It's a journey. And it starts with the root of giving. And I truly believe that after last week, individually and collectively, that we took a step and we will choose to keep taking steps, keep stepping up and aligning the management of our resources directly with what God's word says about our resources. I am actually more generous. No cap. That was the one. Like, I'm, I'm kind of cap. Um, so what I, what I wanted to share with you guys was this. I myself preach the truths of God's word. So I have the opportunity to be held accountable. And, and once I preach things, I have to align my own life as well. As you guys know, I'm extremely transparent, and my adjustments are ongoing, and I want you guys to know that. Um, I actually got paid on Friday, and though I've been a faithful tither for as long as I can remember, I had to take a step, personally. Um, and I did take a step, and I'm, I'm testing God. Uh, he said, test me now. And I did increase my giving. Um, and I don't say that for kudos. I wanted you guys to know that it is a journey. And that I'll continue to grow in. It's, it's a step, but I just wanted you guys to know that I would never call you up without stepping up myself. And many of you took much bigger steps than probably I did last week. As, as God led you, you took even bigger steps last week. And I am so proud of you guys for being obedient. And I wanted to share this story I just got yesterday. And it's from a, a, one of my favorite young ladies in the church and she sent me this yesterday, and it was so encouraging. She said, I just needed a reminder, Daniel, that you can't, you cannot, in all caps, outgive God. Thank you for that message Sunday. It placed on my heart to do right by tithing, even when it's hard and you don't see a way. I gave, a two days, uh, I gave and two days later, a check was in my box. A refund from Banner Hospital saying I overpaid a medical bill. God was already providing just a small testimony, but a big impact. I'm so excited to share what I believe is, is tied directly to last week's message. I'm excited to share God's word today. And I'll start off with this one question. If you could choose a one-word goal, Okay, one word to achieve in your life. One word, what would you choose? If there was one word that would represent your character, one word that would represent your nature, your integrity, what would it be? One word that would summarize what you stand for in your life. Again, I ask you, what one word would you choose? In a recent survey done by a well-respected pastor of a large church, his research team found that Three of the more common words that people said that they'd like for their lives to be summarized, which were all really good words, here they are. One of the words was successful, which I actually like successful a lot. Influential, I love this word as well, I really do. And the third word, it was happy. I'd like to be successful, which I really do, which God makes people successful. And I really do hope that you are successful in all that you do. The word influential is good because we're called to be the salt and light ambassadors for the kingdom. We're called to make a difference in the world. Influential is, is a great word as well. But some people said, I, I wouldn't want to be just influential. 
I'd want to be happy as well. Another word for happy is blessed. Another word for happy is, is fulfilled or to be content, as those are some really, really good words. But I believe there's one word that in God's eyes should stand out above all the rest. Because when we get to heaven, if we have lived a life that, that pleases God, what he won't say is, well, and done, well done, my good and successful servant. He won't say, well done, my good and influential servant. And he won't say, well done, my good and happy servant. But what Jesus would say to us is, well done, my good and faithful servant. If there's one word that, that should stand above the rest, I believe that we should strive to be faithful. Many of you showing up here and getting your butts in these seats, that is faithfulness. Thank you. Thank you. Please pray with me. Father, we ask today that by the power of your spirit and by the truth of your word, that you would stir within us and empower us to be faithful to you in all we do. We pray this in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. amen. And my, there is my sermon title for the day. I forgot it. I skipped over it. Um, I got excited. But faithful, one word that will change your life. Today we're going to look at the theme of faithfulness, and the reason we're pre-deciding to be faithful is because we're never going to accidentally be consistently faithful. There's no way that day in and day out, week in and week out, month in and month out, year in and year out, decade in and decade out, that we'll consistently be faithful without pre-decided intentionality. And the reason we find it difficult to be faithful, let's just call it what it is. Can I be honest? It's because the trajectory, the trajectory of our life is naturally towards what is easy or what is convenient. And being faithful, especially faithful to God and doing what is right, is rarely easy. It's often hard. It often comes with a cost. But here's the truth. It is always worth it. No cap. In fact, to establish our tone for today, I want to look at God's word from the prophet Habakkuk in the Old Testament, who said this in chapter 2, verse 4. Look at the proud. Look at the proud. Do any of you in here today know someone who's proud? Anybody? And some of you are too proud to raise your hands. <laughs> and of course, it's not you. But somebody probably, they're coming to second service because they, they didn't get up early enough. But say this with me then. I'm so proud, that I'm, so proud. that I'm not proud. I'm, not proud. I'm kidding. Okay? But if we're honest, we all struggle with, the pride, with pride to some extent in some area of our life. Habakkuk says that, look at the proud. What do they do? They trust in themselves and their lives are crooked. What do they do? They trust in their own wisdom. They trust in their own knowledge. They trust in their own righteousness. They trust in their own goodness. They trust in their own bank account. They trust in their own abilities. They trust in themselves because they're proud and their lives are crooked. 
thinking I can be independent from the vine, personally has caused me to stumble every single time. I'll read that again. Thinking I am independent from the vine has caused me to stumble every single time. But the righteous will do what? The righteous will live by their faithfulness to God. Mm. So I'm intentionally predeciding not to be proud, but to be righteous. Because the righteous, the righteous will live by their faithfulness to God. In other words, my faithfulness is my righteousness. My faithfulness is my righteousness. Now, that raises a question. What does it mean to be faithful? How do we practically live faithfulness out? Well, when we look at how Jesus talked about faithfulness, Jesus took a very different approach to faithfulness, very different than most of us would actually recognize. In fact, if you do a word study on, uh, if, you do, if you do a word study on, um, uh, on the word faithfulness, Jesus mentioned the word faithful, and when he mentioned the word faithful, you see that it had three different categories, and it was only three categories when he talked about faithfulness. First, he talked about faithfulness in how we treat people. Second, he talked about faithfulness in how we manage resources, both tangibly and internally. Third, he talked about faithfulness in how we actually choose to respond to God. So look, look at when Jesus talked about faithfulness, and every time it was always about relationship to people, it was always about taking care of resources, and it was always about responding to God. So in response to the values of Jesus on faithfulness, if we're going to be faithful, we're going to predecide three things. The first thing is this, we're going to predecide that every interaction is an opportunity to add value. So we need to digest that. Every interaction is an opportunity to add value. We're faithful in our relationships and in our, action, in our interactions with people all the time, especially complete strangers. And unless you know everybody in here on any given Sunday, you're around some strangers. Your faithfulness is to meet somebody new. Your faithfulness is to smile at somebody that you don't know. Your faithfulness is how you respond with the interaction, especially of people that you don't know. Our second predecision is that every resource is an opportunity to multiply. Because Jesus defined faithfulness as how we steward what he trusts to us. Not just monetarily, but also what he has placed in us the gifts and talents that he has placed in us. We'll talk more about that. The third predecision is that every prompting is an opportunity to obey God. Because every time Jesus talked about faithfulness, he talked about how you treat people, how you steward resources, and how you respond to God. If we're going to be faithful, we're going to predecide that every interaction with every person that we have is an opportunity to add value. What does that mean? That means for you, wherever you go, every person you meet, every person that you see, every person, uh, every opportunity to bless, every opportunity to encourage, every opportunity to be generous, every opportunity for you to add value in their life. We're going to predecide that every person we see is an opportunity for us to show the love of God. 
and to show it in such a way that brings value and blessing in their life. No cap. Here's three quick practical takeaways on this one topic. First of all, I have to change my perspective in order to become more personal. Let you sit in that for a second. I have to change my perspective. My morning prayer has to say, God, change my perspective so that I can become more personal. I don't have to be as personal as Daniel and hug everybody in the room on a Wednesday, but I have to become more personal. Second, this is one phrase that every time I use it, every time I use it, it's worth the, pri- it's worth the price of admission today. No cap. Here it is. They matter to you, Lord. The angry cashier matters to you, Lord. The obnoxious teenager matters to you, Lord. The mean-looking stranger matters to you, Lord. My annoying coworker matters to you, Lord. My annoying wife matters to you, Lord. My annoying husband matters to you, Lord. My micromanaging boss hmm, matters to you, Lord. The guy that cut me off in traffic, he matters to you as well. And anyone that I want to judge in my heart, anyone and everyone that I'm having a hard time seeing value in, they matter to you, Lord. And if they matter to you, they matter to me. They matter to me. You speak those words, and I'm telling you, there's a heart shift every time that I do it. Hear me on this. Last point on this. If we don't see value in people, people will feel devalued. There is something about when we look at our children, and they can see that we don't see value in them. When we have disgust on our face, they know their their level of value is not high. So there's something even that's unspoken about when you see somebody that you could tell in their eyes, they are just happy to see you. They are valued to be in your presence. If we don't see the value in people, people will feel devalued. That's good. And the reason we won't is because we are ridiculously focused on ourselves. And I'm going to prove it to you. All you have to do, and you've heard this, is look at a photo of eight people that you're in. If you're in a photo with eight people, who is the first person that you look at in the photo? The answer is you. And here it is. If it's a good picture of you, what kind of photo is it? That's a dang good photo. If you're blinking in the photo, it is unpostable. And if someone posts it, how dare them? What were they thinking? Didn't they see you? Because you look at you. And I look at me, too. So, a confession. It's the same thing when you interact with people. When you talk to people, what are you thinking in your mind? You're thinking, do they like me? Was that stupid? Should I not have said that? When you walk away, you're analyzing in your brain, why did I say that? Did I embarrass myself? What if instead of saying, will they like me? What if instead, because Jesus lives in you, you predecided ahead of time that every time you interact with someone, rather than being self-focused, you're you-focused. You say, I'm going to add value to you. You 
before me. That's how I want to be. I'm going to be a blessing to you in all that I do. This is a form of faithfulness to God, no cap. In fact, Scripture said it this way. In Ephesians chapter 4, the Apostle Paul said, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. According to their needs. That it may benefit those who listen. So it's not saying I'm going to build you up for what I can get from you, young men. It's not saying I'm going to build you up for what I can get from you, married men. I'm not building you up for my sake. I'm building you up for your sake. I'm building you up for you because it's about you. Question. Are you a blessing to those who hear you speak? When you speak, I want you to get the highlight reels out of your, out of your head Get the hell light reels in your head. When you're at your worst, times where you could improve, are you a blessing to those who hear you speak? To be faithful to God, we're going to predecide to add value to people, period. We're going to decide to add value to people. In other words, when you walk into a room, does the climate improve? Because you're an encourager. You're someone who is a blessing to be around. Others walk away from you, and when they walk away from you, they walk away from you feeling bigger, not smaller. When you do tell the truth, because there is a time to tell the truth, you always tell the truth in love. And you have permission to speak. Hear this. You have permission to speak hard truths only because of the relational currency that you've consistently deposited into them. We have to deposit in order to ever withdraw. We've got to make deposits before we think that we can withdraw from people. This this happens, hear this, listen, through sharing actual words that express the value you see in them. We have to share words to say, man, my son looks really handsome today. Son, you look really handsome. My daughter, when I come home from the gym in the morning and she's sitting there reading her Bible, has got a word out, and she's reading, and she's just, every single day, you'll faithfully find her there. I'm like, baby, that, 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 that blesses my heart to see you doing what you're doing. That inspires me. Those words make a difference. I've got to speak the things that I see. And as a father, I predecided by God's grace, I will be intentionally consistent at building my children up with my words. And I'll also chip away, don't get it twisted, I'll chip away at the rough edges as God leads as well. Always balancing, hear this, constructive correction with constructive confirmation. Right? Constructive correction. A lot of us like to be constructive correctors, but we're not real good at constructive confirmation. A lot of our kids today are going to look for other ways to validate themselves because of the fact that they haven't been confirmed by the people who they're supposed to be confirmed by. That constructive means to build up. So either way, whether I'm correcting or confirming, I'm not building a wall. I'm building a bridge. I'm building up, never tearing down. And here's the evidence. The evidence, hear me on this, will be in the way they walk away 
how they feel. Do they walk away bitter or do they walk away better? That's the real evidence. Intention isn't the evidence. We got to pay attention to the fruit of what we said. No cap. And here's one of the greatest things that I've learned. Because we make a lot of mistakes in this, and I've made so many mistakes. But when my pride gets in the way, it does. When my ego steps in, when I intentionally or unintentionally build a wall or start building a wall, I will always tear it down immediately by asking people, my children. It's a part of of who I am is I will say I am sorry, and I will take responsibility for whatever my part was in it. That does something. And if you can do this, they, whoever they are, and that, that encompasses all people, they are going to be better. They're going to have more confidence. They're going to have more faith. They're going to be more blessed. We add value. We add value to people's lives only when we see and then speak value into them. And this, my friends and family, is actually faithfulness to God. Amen? Amen. In fact, when you look at what Jesus did and how he treated people, think about the words Jesus said and think about what Jesus did. When the disciples were maybe worried, they were kind of, they were getting, they were worried that a lot of times we see the disciples were getting worried. What did Jesus say? Well, let's say, what did Jesus, (laughs) what didn't Jesus say? He didn't say, well, you better worry because the world's going to hell in a handbasket. Do you see who's in office right now? Have you read the news today? Things are bad and they're going to get worse. Run for the hills. There is no hope for this future generation. We are all doomed, guys. That's not what he said. He said this. He said, hey, don't worry about what you're going to eat or what you're going to drink or the clothes that you're going to wear because your heavenly father, my heavenly father, he cares about you so much. And if he cares about the birds of the air, He certainly cares about you so much more. Today has enough to worry about, fellas. Just seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and his faithfulness, and then everything else will be added to you and taken care of for you. Just seek first the kingdom, boys. Think about the woman that sinned and was caught in the act of adultery. What did Jesus say to her? What did he do? He didn't say shame on you. That's not what he said. No, he knelt down in the sand and he wrote something in the sand. We don't know exactly what it was, but her self-righteous male accusers, they had a change of heart. They walked away. And Jesus looked down at the woman with love and said, where are your accusers? She said, there are none. He said back to her, With love in his heart, then neither do I accuse you. Neither do I condemn you. Go on your way. Don't sin anymore. Go and be righteous. Be faithful. And young lady, be free. When Peter, think about about Peter, when Peter denied Jesus, not once, not twice, but three times, what did Jesus, what did he do? He said, Peter, you're canceled. I can't trust you. No. What did Jesus do? He said, hey, Pete, you still love me. I know you do. 
then go feed my sheep. Get back to doing my will. Go show my love. Because I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. Every interaction with anyone you show the love of God to, you build up, you show grace. You and I are a blessing and that is the culture that we create on Sundays. That's the culture. That's the culture. Nobody, people would be crazy to not want to be a part of a place where people were continuing to build one another up. And I'm telling you, a single word of encouragement has the power to change someone's life. That's so good. That is faithfulness to God. And I want to show you guys a story. When Marty first planted the church, when he was called to plant the church and he came out here, I actually uh, came out. We were already living in Surprise, and I came with them. And it was four years, the first four years. I stayed with them for four years. I took a sabbatical to CCV um, for six years, and then I came back about four years ago. And when I came back, I asked him if I could sit down. I felt like God was... Uh, called me to humble myself and asked that he might be a mentor for me in this future season for what God was doing within me. And I remember to this day when Marty sat down with me, what Marty said to me. He said, Daniel, because he didn't know what I was going to talk to him about. He didn't know if my marriage was falling apart. He didn't know nothing. So he was actually, I think, happy to know that I was still, I'd still been plugging away for all those years. And he told me, he said, Daniel, he goes, you are one of the most influential people that I've ever met. And I, you don't know how many times over the last four years that because he saw something in me and he spoke something in me, something that I don't see myself a lot, and he said it to me and he spoke it to me, I'm still here today. Amen. One of the greatest ways that we can be faithful to God is by being a blessing to people through valuing them. I am faithful. I predecide that every interaction with the person through my attitude towards them and through my words, I say to them, it's an opportunity to show love, to be a blessing, and to add value to their life. A second way that we're going to be faithful to God, if we're predeciding, is we're predeciding that every resource is an opportunity to multiply. In fact, in Matthew 25, Jesus told the parable about a man who went on a journey, and he trusted in his, in the, in, uh, his wealth. So he, he entrusted his wealth to his servants. He gave out bags of gold. One guy, he gave five bags. One guy, he gave two bags. And one guy, he gave one bag. But the first two went out, and they put their gold to work. They risked it, they invested it, and they doubled what they had. And according to scripture in verse 21, the master replied to them, well done, my good and what? My, well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things, and I'm going to put you in charge of many things. You multiplied what I gave you. And in the kingdom, that is faithfulness. In fact, the Greek word translated as faithful it's a ridiculously cool word. It's the word pistos. And this word means, here's what it means. Here's the literal definition. It says, a person who shows themselves faithful in transactions of business, the execution of commands, or the discharge of official duties. How about this? 
One of the ways that you can be faithful to God is simply by caring for what God gives you, taking care of it. God gives you an ugly yard, and you make it a better yard. That's faithfulness. God gives you a clunker of a car. Any clunkers in the house? A couple? And God gives you a clunker of a car. You make that the cleanest clunker on the road. Yes. Yes. Young people. Young people. God gives you your own room and your parents' house. Or with your roommates. And your room is the cleanest and most squared array room in the house. This is faithfulness to God. Right? We want a house. We want an apartment. We want all those things. We don't keep this. We won't get that. Parents, you're welcome. God gives you a body. If you're a follower of Christ, if you're a follower of Christ, a body that is the residence, 777 West Heavenly Road, or, or the temple of where the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus lives, He's living in you. And so you take care of your body. That's faithfulness to God. I love James, the brother of Jesus. He says, we can hear and hear and hear and hear, but it's when we become doers of what we've heard that we multiply the resources we received. So many times, every word that we give you on a Sunday, that is a resource that we speak into you and what you do with that. God will give you more. Say, God, I want to hear a word from you today. I want to... We said, what did you do with the last word? By intentionally living them out, what we... We, we multiply the resources that we receive by intentionally living them out in front of our kids. That's multiplying. By intentionally living to higher standards, that's multiplying. By speaking them into other people's lives as God leads, that's multiplying. When we get something, we turn around, we share it on, on Instagram or, or Facebook. Something we learned on Sunday, we post it there. That's multiplying. By showing up on Wednesday night and watering what we've planted in you, That's multiplying. It's God honoring to intentionally multiply and steward what he's given us. And Jesus says, that is faithful. Then there was a one guy with a one bag who was afraid. And I actually feel for that guy because I've been that guy far too many times. There have been times when I've been afraid, afraid to make a mistake. I was afraid. So I was afraid. So I delayed. And delayed obedience is still disobedience. Watch what the master says to him. The poor boy says, chapter 25, verses 25 and 26. He says, so I was afraid, and I went out, and I hid your gold in the ground. See, here's what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. Here's what I want you to see, and here's what I want you to feel. To the one who multiplied what was given, the master said, you are faithful. To the one who buried it, He wasn't just lazy. Scripture said that he was wicked. He was wicked. And not wicked cool, but wicked. (laughs) I don't say this often, guys, but I believe that God wants me to ask you a question this morning. What gold, or some translations say talent, has God deposited in you that you buried? What is it buried in? And how is it being kept from multiplying, either in resources or talents? I want you guys to bow your heads with me just real quick and close your eyes for a real quick um, moment. 
Here's what I believe to be a word from the Lord this morning. And it's for someone here today. I don't use the phrase lightly. You never heard me say it before, but this is what I believe God is saying to someone in here this morning. Some of you, I have put resources in you. Resources so valuable. Resources that were meant to be multiplied in others. Resources that were meant for multiplying my kingdom. Yet because you're afraid and sometimes lazy, you've chosen to bury what I've given you. The cross represented the sacrifice of my son, but it was my resurrection power that sparked a multiplication movement that hasn't stopped in over 2,000 years. And I want to resurrect that buried treasure in you today. I want to begin to multiply the resources within by my mercy and by my grace. Let's resurrect what you buried. And once again, become fearlessly faithful and begin to multiply what I've given you so that you can experience the fullness of my faithfulness.